He's right, the students 180 are, are working hard uh, to get ready for Easter, and it is an amazing drama. You, you won't want to miss that. Um, you got to see the brand new logo was up there. We really like that, and then we're, we're, we're going to experiment with colors, maybe for uh, different areas of their ministry and teams and stuff, but I, I like it. It looks contemporary, it looks cool and sleek, and mine was looked like, I guess I was the 90s, so... I got outvoted, but you know. <laughs> so good. Life groups are going to be happening, like uh, Ron says, and we have diff- three groups that are, you can join up to, um, 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s, and 60 and over. And out of those are going to stem different groups you know, in the future, but right now we're just going with those three groups. And so you, know, you, you have a place to connect, and as a group, they'll, you, know, you guys will figure out, and the leaders with you will figure out you know, like whether maybe you're all going to go bowling or you're going to go do something or do whatever. We have men's events and stuff. Uh, that All of those groups will funnel to that. Women's ministry starts in April, second week of April. You're going to breakfast at Bob Evans at 8.30, so you can mark your calendars for that. Um, a lot of good things are happening, so we're excited to be part of something growing, and God is doing great things. Student ministry is just blowing up. It's been awesome. We had 32 kids two weeks ago. Last Thursday, we had 21 kids that showed up for um, uh, 180, and we, you know, just just amazing to see these kids. Now they're just they're just connecting, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that in the message uh, a little bit. I wanted to talk this morning about stuff that I think we all deal with. Anybody in here ever been frustrated? Anybody in here ever frustrated anybody else? <laughs> you know, I, I just tell people, I just stand by Kim, and I can, I can show you there's a God. She's still with me, and the very fact that I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, so God has been so good. But yet, you know, we, we all know what frustration is. We all know what it feels like to give up. So the title of this message is Don't Give Up. I love the thing that uh, Mal picked to put up here for that, because sometimes isn't that how we feel? You know, the enemy is into isolation. He wants to get you so you're just like, you're in this by yourself. You're never going to make it out. You'll never see the light of day. You've screwed up two, one too many times. Whatever the case is, I want to talk to you this morning about not giving up. So uh, that's what we're going to do. You know, and the world brings pressure, doesn't it? Just to fit in. I mean, there's so many things even our students face today that you and I never faced when we were their age. You know, at the click of the button, you can almost go anywhere in the world, and there's some things you don't want to go to. And all of this, I mean, there's all this pressure just to fit in. There was peer pressure when we were in school about what clothes you wore and what shoes were in and all of that. And what's crazy, isn't it crazy that what was in before goes out and then comes back in again? I mean, I'll tell you, pray with me about it. I'm believing, and we want to say, let's say, take a second and say hi to our online campus. God bless you guys. So glad that you're with us. Amen. Something else as well, uh, in April we're going we're gonna to live stream just this service, the second service beginning in April, and uh, so that's, you know, our live stream needs to know that, our campus that goes there. Uh, so anyway, back to, I'm, I'm believing that, you know, when, back in the day, remember the mall? Remember when the mall didn't have a roof? I rode my bike there, and, and then I'd lock it up on one of those poles, and, and then if it rained, it rained in the middle, because then it finally had a roof over just parts of it. Then remember when the mall was the big thing, and then malls were really big everywhere. It was the mall, and the, and the plaza was like the tumbleweed would flow through the plaza because everybody's going to the mall. Now the plaza thing is like back, and our mall is like. <laughs> I mean, 
I'm believing God will bring life back to the mall. There's only a couple stores out there now. It's like, go to the mall. Why? <laughs> but I'm, I'm believing Marion's getting re rejuvenated. There's going to be great things and all that stuff. So you just believe with me. I want you know, us to be able to say we have a good mall. and We can go there and shop. And it's great to go to Polaris and Columbus and all of that. But I, you know, sometimes it's nice just to do it in hometown. Just nice to be able to not have to go so far. But uh, the world brings pressure. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to fit in. There's all of this kind of stuff going on. Some of us are just like, I want to I have all of these things so people can see I'm successful. You know, now they have knockoffs of purses. Not the real thing, but looks like it. They have Rolexes that aren't Rolexes, but they look like it. You know, and, and sometimes the purpose of that, there's nothing wrong. Please don't misunderstand. It's great to have nice things. It's great to have a nice house. It's great to have a big house. It's fine. I'm not against any of that. What, I, what I'm telling you is God doesn't want the nice things to have you. So sometimes the pressure is just to show everybody, see what I've got, see what I do, see who I am. Here's my trophy. And isn't it the way this goes in the world? The one with the most toys wins. We have to understand there's more to life than just stuff. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11 says this, Anything I wanted, I'd take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was also meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anymore. Chapter, or the same chapter, verse 17, go on down, says, So I came to hate life because everything... Done here, under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Have you ever had your expectations so high that then when you finally got whatever you got, it was kind of a letdown after a while? People do that sometimes with a brand new car. It looks good. It smells good. It's real leather. And it drives nice. And about a month or two after you're noticing that payment... It's not as good as you thought. I mean, it was good, but is it worth? Sometimes we do that. There's a lot of things that are just like, oh. Because I believe that under the sun is just really just that. It's, we've seen it, or it's things that we can see. We, we try to fill stuff, our life, with just things and different things like that. I'm here to tell you this morning, I, I think the enemy, part of his plan if you will is to get you to be frustrated and give up because you've had your expectations sometimes we misplace them we put them in people and they fail and then we, we we're afraid to trust anymore we're afraid to expect good things anymore i'm here to proclaim this morning god still wants you to expect he still wants you to place faith in him the problem is what we're doing is we're not placing what we're believing in in the right spot I think people go through life giving themselves everything they want. After all, I deserve it. And I'm not saying it's not wrong in, in, in times with balance. You know why they call comfort food comfort food? Because it brings you comfort. Some days you just need to go to the Jersey and get yourself some ice cream. <laughs> Preach it, brother. Oh, I'll, feel, I'll feel that. Give me hot fudge and nuts because I'm extra special. <laughs> We're always looking sometimes for that pot of gold over the rainbow. And we almost want to sing the song. Somewhere 
It's okay. I think God wants you to, to have your hope in something, though, that will last. I think there's a void in each and every person that is there just for God. That he put in there that you'll try to fulfill it with other things, other material stuff or, or whatever it is. Maybe things that aren't good. But it, you never get enough or it's never enough. It never, it, it's very temporary. But God says, I, you know, I've got something that will be eternal. That you'll know in your know or you'll know that you know. There's a lot of stuff that we think will make us happy. But once you get it, then you find out. My happiness wasn't in that. The Bible says, I hated life. It's not all it's cracked up to be. I'm just putting my spin on it. God tells us about Solomon. He had everything a person could possibly want. He was richer than President Trump. He didn't even have the Trump Tower. He had Solomon's temple. <laughs> but I mean, just think about it. He was the richest guy ever. He was the wisest guy ever. Whatever he wanted, he could get. He just got it. And he said, when he looked at it all, he said, it still falls short. I still come up empty. It's still meaningless. And here's the clue, because it's under the sun. The things that you see, they're great. Now, everybody knows if you're a carpenter, tools make the difference. If you got to build something, you got the right tools, man, it's great. To make shift on stuff when you don't know how to do it, that's where the whole term Jimmy rig came from. Don't know who Jimmy is, but he ever rigged whatever. You try to figure out how to make it work. That's why you can save the world with duct tape. You know, we'll just, no, let's just tape it. People would ask us, how'd you get your kids to behave? Benadryl. That's a joke. I didn't, we didn't. <laughs> I don't want any letters. <laughs> I was teasing. <laughs> but see that's the thing it's been under the sun the s-u-n what if we changed our focus to what's under the sun the s-o-n what if we started saying god maybe i'm not looking at this right did you know you can look at stuff and sometimes you can see something somebody else can see something and you see it differently you can have two people look at the same thing. You can have two people in the service and want to go, it was wonderful. The other person said, I got nothing. Why? It's amount of what we're focused on, the, the acceptance of the Holy Ghost and the presence in our lives and what we will submit to. If you're like me, you've probably said one of these three things. I'm mad, number one. Frustration shows up its ugly head in anger or being mad about something. Sometimes you might say, I, I'm mad. I don't even know why I'm so mad. Why are you on edge? I don't know. <laughs> you ever have your parents say this stuff to you? Shut up and answer me. <laughs> we talked about the youth at, at 180 Thursday night. The whole night was called Volcano Night. So they had to build in teams. There's 21 students. They had to build volcanoes on their table with ice cream. They all had plastic gloves on. You see, dudes don't probably care too much about plastic gloves, but girls do. But, you know, so they, anyway, but as a team, they're forming these volcanoes. And, and John and Sheila had made sure, like, almost everything under the sun was added. There was cherries for lava rocks. There was peanuts. There was hot fudge. There was strawberry topping. There was whip topping. There was 
good night, how much stuff, chips, chocolate chips, butterscotch chips. There was all kinds of stuff. And these kids went to town, man. They're, they're building these volcanoes. Then they came by with root beer and poured it down their little funnel. And, and they got judged on which had the best volcano, which team. And the message that night was on, and I just made it from this, is what the Lord told me, just from the word mad, M-A-D. I just talked about like M was just, we're going we're gonna to make a, a conscious decision not to be mad, not to hold it. That's what we do, isn't that? We're just told, you know, big boys don't cry. If at first you don't succeed, that's what the daughter's told, cry, cry again. No, they're not. It was try. Ah. Uh, now, don't make me mad. No. <laughs> So the second point was just was a for we, we were going to act the way God wanted us to act. We were going to make up our mind not to be mad and then act the way Jesus would act. And D was for we were going to decide to forgive. There's going to be people that hurt you. You're going to have to decide just to forgive them. There's probably no reason or rhyme. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they were malicious. Maybe they weren't. Maybe somebody said something wasn't thinking. You ever said anything stupid? I have. I said it a few weeks ago. Not repeating it now. Some of you online, I'm going to go through and find out what he said. Good luck with that. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 4 says, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. So our second thing you might have said is this. I'm tired. I'm mad. I'm tired. They did a survey and asked, you know, if you ever go ask somebody, how are you doing? The number one answer, you know, you, some people are ultra spiritual, and sometimes you can say good things. And I like to say, you know, even sometimes we, again, we call things that are not as though they are. So how you doing? You'll say, great. I'm doing great. Inside, you might be saying, life sucks. <laughs> but you're going to say, great, because you're going to speak faith. I get that. With you, done that. But then there's some that'll be like, oh, I'm highly favored. I'm blessed of God. I walk on the cloud. My halo lights the room. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> Other times, the number one response, moving along, stay with me. Number one response is I'm tired. Because you know why? Life wears us out. Because we're trying, number one, we're focused on everything under the S-U-N and not focused on the one thing we need to be focused on, the S-O-N, the sun. And when we, when we get our focus off of what we need, it drains us. Ecclesiastes 1, 5 and 8 says, The sun rises, the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south, the wind turns north, round and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, the sea's never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So if we're talking about today, this is what this means. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Time to make the donuts. We just go through life. It's just this way it is. It's how it is. When I was a bodybuilder, I, you know, we did all these things. And I mean, for myself, Monday wasn't Monday anymore. Monday was chest day or, or this was this day. It became another day. And it's just something that I did on that day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're housewives or whether you're business women and have to come home and still do the house or whatever. It's just like, this is the day I clean. Dear Jesus, where are the cleaning angels? 
Could they not do this while I sleep? Because it's just another day doing the same old, same old, same old routine. I just wish. I tell you what, the more I've helped Kim, the more that I think. It is never ending, dishes and laundry. I think that's the reason most guys don't like to do, you know, we, we wear the same clothes. Why? We don't want to do the laundry. You can mark that down. <laughs> I'm not changing. Why? Because I don't want to have to wash it. The cycle just repeats itself. It just wears us out. It's wearisome. Here's number three of the things you might have said. I'm not satisfied. I'm mad. I'm tired. I'm not satisfied. What I thought was going to satisfy me didn't. Maybe you started something. You started a career. Did you know most people that go to college change their major more than once? That's fact. They go in. I did it. Go in. I'm going to be this. I'm going to do this. You're going to have to have all these math courses. I hate that. I'm not doing that no more. I don't feel God wants me in that. I, I got married to Kim, and I told her, I said, I don't like math. When am I ever going to use it? There's math all around you. You can't go to the store without looking at numbers, but not me. <laughs> Evidently, God's got a new system that I get to use. So, you know, it's, sometimes it's just like, ah, we, we change things because we start one way. We think it'll satisfy us, and it doesn't. Ecclesiastes 1, 8, 9, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. How much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. So maybe this morning you find yourself like, this is, I'm just bored. I want excitement with my life. Do you know, listen to me. I just was saying this between services. Because this is what happens. We're just like, well, God is in control. Yes and no. Ultimately, God created, yes. But you are in control. God, as much as we say there's nothing God can't do, he is limited to his word. So his word has put you in authority. He cannot overstep his bounds and take that away. Are you with me? So in ways, you have to take charge. For that to change, it's going to be you putting yourself under the S-O-N, focusing on him, instead of being, you know what, I am fried out of my gourd. I get that, but that's because our focus is not where it needs to be. I'm guilty of it. I want to give you some hope this morning. I want you to say, man, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You mean, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not the only one doing this. You are not. Maybe you're thinking, it's the job. It's the kids. It's the pressure. It's the stuff. You know, if you have a lot of stuff, then you have to maintain that. Everybody wants the castle, but nobody wants to pay the insurance on the castle. You know, you, you can have an expensive car. Expensive cars, if they're foreign made, they're expensive to fix. They got somebody across in the foreign. Ah, you need the part, I have it. It costs you a lot of money. All right. I found something that'll help you, so let me help you. The single truth will change your life. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4. And so let me set the, set the stage for you. This is a guy that's really the opposite of Solomon. He didn't have anything. And everything he did, he got it, you know. It wasn't working out, I'm sure, the way that he liked. It was Apostle Paul. Every place he went, he was beaten. He was thrown in jail. 
He was stoned, the real kind, with rocks. He was whipped. 39 lashes that Jesus got. Paul got it five times. That's a lot. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. And all in that, he said, don't give up. He said, don't give up. We would like, you'd think, man, of all that, he'd say, this isn't worth it. This isn't good. Let me just tell, just grab a hold of this. It doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what they're telling you at your job. It doesn't matter what your job is saying. It doesn't matter what you need to hear or don't need to hear. It doesn't matter what people's responses to you. It doesn't matter what your children are responding to. What matters is what you put your faith in. What you say is the number one thing. The thing that doesn't change. The thing that's the rock of your boulder. The thing that everything sinks on outside of that. That thing stands firm. He doesn't change. That is God. It doesn't matter about the weather. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've had bosses, some treating me good, some not so good. But wouldn't it be great, like Paul, to say, that isn't affecting me? And I mean, God, I get it, we're human. So I'm not trying to say you have to be superhuman. What I'm saying is we have to change our focus. If it's detrimental to you and there's nothing that these people will do to submit and change, God will move you. It's that simple. Is he not big enough? Numbers eleven twenty three says his arm is not waxed short. He's able to meet all your need. Is that not true? So then you have to rely again on the one thing, not the other things. Wouldn't that rock? Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So he's saying the stuff that's coming at him outside, he's staying firm on the inside. For our light and momentary troubles. Think of all the list I just gave you what he's going through. Momentary and light. We don't know persecution like Paul did. Nobody's beating you 39 whips and doing it five times. And I mean, it's just nasty. But he goes on. Our light and momentary troubles are, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That glory we're going to talk about here in the next few weeks before long. Glowing in the dark. He's talking about there's something else that's bigger than you. He's saying what's going to matter most, that's what he's fixing on, not what matters now. The word eternal outweighs them, the temporal, the now. So here's the secret. The secret for solving your problems isn't to solve your problems. It's to have something bigger than your problems. Remember last week we talked about Jesus being the biggest thing in your life. He's not saying you're not, he's not denying trouble. He's not denying persecution. But the difference is he's saying he's bigger than that. He's going to be bigger than what you're going through. The Bible says, I love this. The Bible says his train fills the temple. Now, not choo-choo, woo-woo, not that train. If you look at a wedding, the bride that comes down the center aisle, her train, and you watch, everybody's always, that's a big deal to the woman. That train, that has to look cool. That's like, you know, you know, and they make sure that's straight so when she walks, that train just like, man, that just looks so cool. The Bible says his train, the train on his robe, that end piece fills the temple. I would think the temple's pretty good size. 
If his train fills the temple, what's his robe like? That's the God I'm talking about. That's the God that says there's nothing I can't do. You just have to trust in me and I'll take care of it. He is an amazing God. Who am I talking to this morning? If you want to solve your problems, stop trying. First, go to God. You need something in your life bigger than the stuff going on outside of your life. And he'll give you direction. His word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He'll show you because the word, he'll put it in your heart. But it's up to you to exercise that. And so when you exercise that, you start walking. Come on, you're walking in the light. You've been walking in a dark room. Get the flashlight out and start seeing where you're stepping. You know, walking without the light is like winking at a girl in a dark room. She can't see it. (laughs) Fix. (laughs) Fix your eyes on what is seen. Or not what is seen, but what is unseen. Let me correct that. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. That's why we never give up. Our bodies are dying. Our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us, come on, a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. you got to see yourself past. You have to say, you know, if you're saying, you know, this relationship stinks, see yourself past the relationship. Either that person's got to change and you got to change or things got to get right with the son or God's, come on somebody, he's going to help you. If it's your job, see yourself in a job you love. What is seen is temporary. Everybody say temporary. That's natural. What is not seen, everybody say eternal. That's spiritual. If I'm giving you something that can change your life, change your year, one thought that would make a difference. Instead of focusing on everything under the sun, let's turn our focus on everything that's eternal, that's spiritual. What would outweigh the problem you faced? Never giving up. You know, it is my goal to help you to see to live life on purpose. I'm going to give you four action steps this morning. They won't take us very long. That'll help you do just that. Here's our number one. Pray. Prayer is one of the greatest ways to be eternally minded more than temporary minded or temporal minded. It's it's going to be the way that God downloads you what's going on. It's going to be your source, your your plug-in. Wednesday, we were here and we saw, you know, I prayed for people and, and God healed people Wednesday. I didn't heal them. Here, listen to what I'm saying. They'll say, because this is what I am. I'm the jumper cable. I'm not the healer. I'm just connected to the healer who brings the current from the cable to you. I'm just the cable. I hope I'm better than Larry the cable guy, but I'm the cable. Get her done. So you got to pray. Here's the thing. You got to get your plans from the general. Go to general. General will give you your plans. He'll tell you this is how you fight. This is what you do. God, they're coming against me. Jehoshaphat, here's what I want you to do. Send the praisers out first. Say, what? But God has a plan. He knows what will work. Gideon, 
there's too many people. They'll think that you did it. Have these guys go home. Now have these guys go home. You got 300. Good deal. What? I mean, God has a plan. Get the plan from the general. God's done so many things to me. It's just been amazing. I mean, I was just, I was a Christian maybe six months. And I worked at Ponderosa's where I met Pastor Kim. She was carrying steaks, changed my life. Maybe that's why I like steaks so much. I don't know. <laughs> but we had a ribeye sale. And it was a line out the door. We had sold all our ribeyes. And they made a mistake and didn't put out enough meat thawed to, to run the sale. It, it went way past our expectations. It was in the wintertime. I've, I've shared this story before. And we ran out. And, and so they're, they're saying, okay, we don't have any more meat. You're going to have to cook frozen meat. You know what happens when you cook frozen meat? It gets burnt on the outside. And it gets just like jello on the inside. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't say anything good about your restaurant or anything. So they're trying to thaw meat out in the prime rib ovens. But they can't get to it. It's in the freezer. And the lock on the outside freezer took a key. And it was frozen shut. And there's managers out there. You know, and there's employees out there. And they've got a key. The key won't even go in the lock. It's frozen. And they're like, oh, and they're trying to warm it up. And they got big lighters and they're doing all this stuff. And they're, you know, the one manager, and I'll just do my impression of him. He was like, well, I don't know what we're going to do, you know. <laughs> and I'm, we're all out there. I'm a cook. I'm the head cook. And this is, this is what I hear in, inside me. You know, just, this is just, again, focusing not like on the outside of my natural. This doesn't look good. But then on the other side, I'm thinking, I didn't buy the meat. I'm just working here. You know what I'm saying? But I get people mad at me if their steak's not right. I didn't freeze them. I'm just trying to cook you something that probably shouldn't be cooked this way, but I don't have any choice. I don't like that. So it's kind of putting my integrity on the line. And this, but we have to get the steaks out. That's priority one. You don't even get a steak if we can't get it out. So your sale is if you don't get the steak. So the Lord speaks inside me, and this is what I hear. Go lay your hands on the lock and pray for it, and I'll open it. Don't want to do that. There's too many people there. There's two managers there. There's like a half dozen employees there. I am already the Jesus freak because I got saved. God changed my life, and things are happening, and I'm telling them stuff, and they're like, would you leave me alone? Because I'm, that's all I want to talk about is the S-O-N. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to do that. You can just send an angel. Can't you send an angel? You could hit that thing with lightning. Open the whole thing up and you could probably throw the meat out at the same time. He's not listening to me. And he, sa he says it to me again. He says, go pray for the lock. I'm like, this is what's going through my mind. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't open? How am I going to answer that? And he's quiet. But when it comes down to this, it is not me that's on the line. It is really him. And so I can just remember, I'm just like, okay. So I just, excuse me, pardon me, walk through there, grab the lock, and said, in the name of Jesus, open. And went like that, and the lock went, thunk, and opened. And these people are like, oh! <gasps> And I was like, 
I was probably more amazed than them. There's, there's something in obedience, just like, God, I just trust you. I know you'll do it. I don't know in this lifetime, please. And he did. He opened it. And some guy said, well, no, I can explain that. He said, we, we thawed it out with the lighters, and then the key went in. And the guy goes, I have the key. So now they're all looking at each other, and I went back in, and I had people, all of these workers are like, how did that happen? How did you do that? How did that go? What did that feel like? What was that? What, tell me about this God. I'm telling you, you're looking at things like the enemy wants to wear you out, and God is saying, it's about time for me to do something. It's about time for me to act on some things and let you know there's hope. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since you've been raised to a new life in Christ, set your sights on realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. We've told you this before. Instead of telling God about your mountain, God already knows about your mountain. Tell your mountain, take authority about your God. You start saying, God, you tell me what to do. Get the plan from the general and go do it. Prayer is the process where heaven becomes your reality. You've got your orders, and you just take and carry them out. It's a place where you can go to Jesus and, and dump everything. You can take everything to heaven. God, they're doing this. God, they're doing that. Yes, he knows that. But he has given you everything you need inside this word. Every answer that you ever need. How to act. How to respond. What to declare. What to sow. What to speak. What to pray. What to put hands on. What to walk out. He's given you everything in this. And what you simply have to do is say, aye, aye, captain, I'll do it. Because God says there's hope. There's expectancy. As long as he's involved, nobody can put Jesus down. We're like David. I love David. David just, I mean, David, he started out stuff. He started out psalms like, God, I want you to take care of my enemies. If we were God, you know what we would do? Zzz, zzz. We'd all be Jedis. I think it you shall. We would do all of this stuff because we have no patience. We don't understand how much God really loves us. But by the end of the psalm, David would start out just like, take care of these guys. Oh, I want you. Mm. By the end of it, he's like polar opposite. He starts talking about how good God is and the love and how worthy God is. He starts focusing on eternal stuff instead of the stuff he's going through. His attitude changed. And that's what we need. You're like me. We've all had those attitudes. People are coming against you. Get it. But God sees all that. That's what worship does for us when we come to TLC. You got here in a car. The car was your vehicle to get to the auditorium, to get to church. Worship is the vehicle you get in to get to the place where you can unload this stuff, where you can get your action orders. Because we'll come in and there's stuff going on. I mean, I know your life, if it's like my, there's people pressing you and this, I got this need, God, I just got this need, oh God, oh, I wish they'd sing this song, oh. We got all that stuff going on, but by the time if we focus really, we start saying, that's why the Bible says we put, there's a sacrifice of praise. You come in here, I know it. You don't always want to praise. Life is hard. That's the last, I mean, I want to praise, but man, I don't feel like it. God, can I just go home and slap people? I'll pray for their healing later. You can help me with that. You just want to, you know, I mean, honestly, 
We want to just like, ah, oh, I don't feel it. But the, the Bible says to put on the garment of praise. See, sometimes you, you have to make an authority and an action decision. God, you are worth it. No matter how life is sucking for me right now, you're good. You're worthy of it. No matter how much it's been hard, you're worthy of praise. Father, you see the beginning from the end. You see all of that. You have my steps. You've got my way paved out. See, when we get started, our whole world is big and our God is small. And hopefully before we're finished, our God is so big and what we're dealing with is so small. I'm challenging every person at TLC just to start saying, God, I'm going to pray a little more. I'm going to pray a little more sensitive to what I'm focused on. Here's number two. We're going to help out. We're going to serve. Serving is one of the greatest ways you can be eternally minded. Being part of the answer and not the problem. We were on staff somewhere at another church, and we got done with the vacation Bible school, and there was, I mean, there was kids everywhere. This is like Willy Wonka gone wild. I mean, there, and, and somebody came over, and they were all upset. Pastor, you need to watch these kids. Somebody needs to watch these kids. Mark my words, they're going to get hurt. I said, you know what? You're so right. Could you do that for me? Because parents are coming for the, in the next 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, most of these kids are going to be gone. Could you watch them? Well, I'm not going to do it. Go stand in the corner. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I can't do it either, okay? Then we're just going to have to pray angels to just keep them safe. I don't know. Be part of the solution, not the problem. But when you're served, you're making a significant contribution. I want to give a hand to the heroes that we've had today, our parking attendants, the greeters, the ushers, the nursery workers, the kids workers back in the max, the media team, the cafe team, the cleanup crew, the drama team, the praise team, the connection. To, I mean, everybody that helps make TLC what it is, give them a big round of applause. We can't do this without them. And the beauty of this, we have two services, and we, we encourage them to work one and worship one. In other words, they can be in both services just to be in one and, and then work in the other. And when I've asked them, which service did you like best? Most of them will say, it's the one I served. Because there's something when you serve that gets you past yourself. You get past focused on all your problems. Now you're helping somebody else. That's what serving does. It's that intersection where the eternal and the temporal meet. It's that place where they say, you know what, God? You're more important than what I'm going through. You know what I'm going through. And you will see me to the end. It's the place of investment. John 6, 27. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Now, if you're sitting here saying, well, you know what? I think they're just begging for help. We're not begging. Church is running fine without you. But we would sure like it better if you were part of it. I don't mean that, you know, we're like happy that you're not part of it. I'm just saying there's opportunity here to serve, but it helps. Here's a fact. People who serve, they're in the counseling office a whole lot less. Because they're not minded on just themselves. They're about their father's business. It outweighs the issues they're facing. So one of the easiest ways for me to help pastor you is to help get you involved in the kingdom. Something that's bigger than you and me. Get involved. Here's number three. Seed time and harvest. 
when we say seed time, everybody's like, okay, he's just talking about money. I am talking about money, but I'm not just talking about money. As long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. But if we can give, it will cost us. You know, David was like that. He's like, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. God, I want to give. I want to do something. I won't just do this just to see what I can get. So you can sow financially. How about just sowing some kindness, some love, some joy, some peace, some grace, some time? Some of you might say, so what? You'll be looking at the outside, looking in. Giving is truly one of the greatest ways to keep your eyes and your sights on eternal. What matters most than just what matters now. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. There's a story of a man who was a miser. He was very much a skin flint. Wouldn't give his wife anything. Kept all his money in a big red box. And he kept it in the attic. And, and she'd have to ask him. He kept it locked. Can I have some money to go to the grocery store? Can I have some money to buy this? And he'd say, how much? You better bring me back the change. Unfortunately, the man met his fate and passed away. And he said, whenever I die, he told her, he said, I will take my money with me. I'll take that box with me. So she went to the funeral and she came back and the first thing she did is run up to the attic and sure enough there that big red box was she opened it up and it was full of money and she said I knew he should have put it in the basement <laughs> you'll think about that in a minute he didn't go up so he missed it okay can't take it with you but you can just start saying Lord how do you want me to help how do you want me to do what you need me to do the Bible says Psalm 112 9 they freely they share freely and give generously and those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. So when we're talking about giving, we're, you know, if you're saying, well, that's the tithe. Well, the tithe is already God's. You don't want to keep that. That's his. Offering is, is above and beyond that. But just past, I'm just talking about blessing. Just blessing, doing whatever. If you have four coats and somebody needs a coat, give them one. I mean, they, they literally helped each other out. They were just that generous. You know, we, we give when we get waited on at a restaurant. We, you know, we give the 20% and then we'll do whatever over that if we feel to do that just to bless them. Just because that's, if that's what we want to do. I want them to know that in the Father's house there's plenty. That God is a good God. You might say, well, what else? I'm just saying there may be things we had somebody after service said, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever we can do. We'll... You know, maybe, maybe you can't do a group, but you have a big house. You can use my house. Or maybe somebody needs a ride, and you could pick them up and get them to the house of God. You know, we live in an age today where everybody can just do, and I love our online campus, but I, there's something important about being in the house of God. Something important about making that effort. Let's live generous lives and make a difference. So we're going to pray. We're going to help out. Seed time and harvest. Here's our last one. We're going to be a witness. We really believe heaven and hell are reality. The Bible says that. So my job, according to the word, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Does that mean you have to go to Africa or somewhere? Not necessarily. Your world might be your block, your neighborhood, your, your local grocery store, wherever you're at. Preach the gospel. And maybe use words. You don't have to. We used to do this. You know, Mallory, when she was really little, she told a little boy, she said, you're going to go to hell. 
<laughs> I don't know if his name was Billy Ray or Billy Joel. I don't know. He's a singer. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know what his name was. I can't remember. But anyway, you know, when we've tried to beat people over the head with the heaven hell, that doesn't work too well. But what if we showed them we are Christians by our love? Now, I'm just going to give you a couple quick examples. Um, when we were first married, we lived in a house on the west side. And uh, the guys on both sides of me weren't believers. And so the one guy, he would always talk to me. And I never tried to slam the gospel down his throat. I tried to live it. And I would ask God. I'd go to the general. I'm just telling you things I did. I'd go to the general. And how can I, how can I tell him? Or how can I... Because he could see me coming. He already knew, you know, oh, this guy's a Christian. Da, da, da. I wasn't in ministry yet, but he already knew. And he was very weary or leery. Maybe that's leery's the word of that. But I'm a cooker. I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I love to grill. <laughs> and, and so he would, he'd be over in his yard, and I'd be grilling out. I mean, I'd be grilling out. How many other guys grill out in the winter with fur coats or whatever, and you're flipping burgers? Yes, uh, Rob, yes. <laughs> and so he would, he'd smell the steak and stuff or burgers or whatever, and he'd say, what are you cooking? I'd, and I'd tell him. I would always make one for him and his wife, and I'd take it over to him. And he would say stuff like, no, no, man, that's good. And I'm like, dude, I got plenty. I'd never say, you know, here now you're going to have to come to Bible study. <laughs> no, it wasn't about it. It was just being, being who God wants me to be. Just given that, I got to tell him about Jesus before we left there. Bottom line, live the kingdom. Just, just love people. And they will see something bigger than everything under the sun. They will actually see the sun in you, and you will glow in the dark. I did that to the neighbor on the other side, same principle. And there's a, a whole other story with that. I won't go into detail of that, but that's just being the witness to your family, to your friends, your neighbors. Today, when I'm about to do the altar call now, maybe, maybe your life is where we've been talking frazzled i think we've all been there from time to time but this message if you're feeling like man you're talking to me you might be my voice but it's god trying to tell you don't lose hope don't give up there is good things ahead of you right now you don't see it i don't think gideon could see it either there's still the battle to fight the the numbers are are out of balance Jesus had to set his sights on eternal. Remember? Father, if you could take this cup from me, but there's another way. I mean, things weren't looking in his favor. He knew what was going to happen. But he did that so that you could claim that hope today. That you could stand on the promises of God and say, my tomorrow is brighter than my, than my today I'm living. My future is bigger than my present. And it's good. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes?